Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Erica. I'm Steve. And uh, Erica, we can uh, feel a sense of completion with a previous set of conversations mm-hmm. having come through. We, we talked about Sabbath and all of its various Sabbathy spinoffs uh, in recent episodes. And uh, we're wanting to take a venture into a really different sort of a vein of conversation. And I, I want to invite, would you sort of set the table for us? Tell us where, where, where shall our adventures take us today? So we are going very different from Sabbath today, and we're going to be talking about um, everyone's favorite idea and concept, that of evil, and what evil is, who evil is, and kind of how uh, the Bible just describes the idea of evil. And so I think we probably want to start with just, you know, what is evil, or who is evil? And um, and so for me, that, that has to start with um, with Satan and the, and the devil, okay. which... You know, some folks um, will say, yes, Satan is real. Some folks say he's not. I mean, that, and that's true even amongst the Christian realm. Some Christians believe that, yes, there is very much a Satan. Um, and some will say, well, evil is just a force out mm-hmm. in the world. Okay. Um, so, Steve, what are, what are kind of your thoughts? And we can just maybe bounce back and forth sure, sure. on this idea. Well, I, I will confess uh, right here that um, a really important insight in my theology about uh, the devil uh, came from a movie um, that uh, wasn't a theology uh, theology textbook at all. But there's a, uh, there's a line that sticks in my head from um, that really curious uh, heist noir movie, The Usual Suspects, and it's a it's a line that the main character I won't give names away because there's a big twist at the end about who he turns out to be. But there's a great line uh, where Kevin Spacey's character says the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world it didn't exist, and mm-hmm. it seems to me like. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if I were going to imagine what um, an evil personality or force would be like in the world, I would think an evil personality or force would try and appear as insidious, uh, as, as sort of um, subtle or behind the scenes, and and it, it's you, you're, you're more you're more able to do your insidious, evil, nefarious mm-hmm. work if nobody knows you're there. So uh, I guess I think um, the the. If I'm willing to assume that the devil, whatever whatever that means or whoever he is, uh, is at least as smart as I am, and I'm willing to grant that I'm guessing probably smarter than me. But at least <laughs> if if I were if I were going to be at least a supervillain, if I was just going to be like a James Bond supervillain, I'd try and be shadowy and conspiracy and mm-hmm. behind the scenes kind of thing. So I would imagine that the powers of evil would do everything possible to appear like they are benign or um, inanimate or impersonal mm-hmm. or something like that. Um, and this is maybe, in a weird way, a carryover from one of the things we struggled with when we talked about the, the Holy Trinity. We talked about God, the Holy Spirit before. And the tension or the temptation that uh, church folks have to turn the Holy Spirit into, you know, an it. Because spirit sounds like a force. And maybe that's, maybe that's a problem we have in, in English that other languages don't. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. But we tend to do the same thing with... Um, the power of evil as well, and it's tempting to make it just a force, um, maybe because we figured out how to manage and control other forces like magnetism and electricity and mm-hmm. things like that, and uh, you can eventually dissect and poke at a force uh, and something that is personal 
um, in some ways seems a whole lot scarier uh, in some ways. Uh, so maybe that that's a, a piece we have to name. I'll I'll say too, maybe as as a way of jumping into the, the the conversation from my experience. One of the things that we do in our tradition, and we haven't always done it, but it's something I'm, I'm grateful has been uh, recovered, is in um, our uh, baptism liturgy. And when um, people affirm their baptism, when they're confirmed, or mm-hmm. their moments in the life of the church. In addition to saying, uh, professing sort of what, what we do believe, that, you know, I believe in God, the, and, and the sort of confession of God as Father, Son, and Spirit, um, there's this threefold renunciation. And it reminds me, it, the, other, the other picture that comes to my mind is that scene at the end of the movie, The Godfather. It's this great montage where um, Michael Corleone is um, uh, speaking as Godfather for his nephew's baptism, and uh, he says, I renounce the powers of evil while you're watching him ordering the killing of all... I mean, it's this really, really graphic sort of like... <laughs> the juxtaposition of saying somebody saying they're renouncing mm-hmm. evil while they're ordering all sorts of crime and murder and, and bloodshed. But the so, so again, I'm under no impression that just saying the sentence I renounce evil <laughs> uh, is magic. It clearly, as the, the movie the, the, the Godfather says, you can say all sorts of things. But uh, our, our, our baptismal liturgy has this threefold, do you renounce the powers of evil, uh, do you renounce the devil, do you renounce the works of sin, and that... Uh, each of those um, gets a, I renounce them, sort of answer, the, 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 the person being baptized with the family or, or the whole congregation in whatever the context is will say, I renounce them. Um, and what's helpful to me is that there's both this acknowledgement of real and personal evil, but there's also this acknowledgement that um, the powers of sin also are beyond just uh, uh, an individual figure or person. And also that we are part of the problem as well. And, and in, in the end, I'm sure our, by the end of our set of conversations, we'll talk about this, that as we think about evil, there's, well, like to borrow C.S. Lewis's image, there's ditches on either side of the road. And there's mm-hmm. a temptation to make evil is all about some external force out there. And then I, don't, I, I get to live in the illusion that I'm, I'm just great. It's just the evil's out there. And on the other hand, the temptation is to say the, the problem is only in me and not that there are forces or persons or both mm-hmm. and out beyond ourselves. Um, so I, I guess I feel like that, that important recognition, um, that the it's important to say, when someone can ask you as plain and clear as, do you renounce the devil? The answer is yes. Obviously, yes. Yes, I renounce them. <laughs> and I tell families when I work with them and we, we're getting ready for those moments of, of faith, uh, baptism or, or, or whatever, um, I say to them, this is the easiest that's ever going to be put to you because most of the time in life, evil has this way of being insidious and subtle mm-hmm. and it doesn't come knocking at the door saying, hi, I'm evil, will you let me in or renounce <laughs> me? But man, take an easy one over the plate when you get one. Yeah. Uh, and that, I guess that's, that's where I begin. That it, it, Most of the time, things are messier or uh, more subtle or more insidious when it comes to recognizing evil because if evil's smart, that's what it's going to do. It's going to try and mm-hmm. be subtle and won't show up with a pitchfork and a red jumpsuit <laughs> and hoof legs or something. But the ability to say when it shows up uh, in obvious sort of fashion, yep, we got to say no. Mm-hmm. Our, our liturgy for baptism also includes, not quite to the extent as yours does, but the renunciation of evil yeah. on behalf of either the, the person actually being baptized or the family or again, yeah. the congregation saying that. But I, I like how you started in saying, you know, the devil, I, I would have to agree, the devil probably is smarter than me. Right. Um, <laughs> right. um, because that's the way he can get me to do things that I normally wouldn't do. And so often I think um, when we kind of get a picture in our mind of the devil, we see this red figure with horns and right, a tail and a pitchfork. Right, right. Um, and if only he was so obvious to to yeah. be able to recognize. Right. Um, but he does come in, in various devious ways. And it makes me think of one of my favorite Lewis texts. Um, I see it's Lewis's Screwtape Letters. Sure. And where you have um, 
screw tape remind me of the uncle. He's, 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 yeah, uh-huh. so this is one of those works, in case folks who are listening haven't read it. It's a fictionalized set of letters imagining uh, an older senior demon mm-hmm. who's writing advice to his younger demon uh, nephew, and Wormwood is the younger yeah, uh, nephew. Okay, yes. yeah. and, and so it's interesting. I read that book several years ago, and I need to reread it here, um, especially now that I'm kind of in the depths of ministry. But, you know, the Wormwood writes... or. Um, Screwtape writes to his nephew Wormwood, and he tries to convince this um, the, main, the the Christian in the book that you know, well, it, it's okay to do this and it's okay to do that, and really, you know, oh, you're too busy to pray and you're too busy to read your Bible and those kind of things, and and that um, is often how how I I've seen Satan work in my own life, how I've seen him work in other people's lives. Um, and so, but it, it's just very small, finite, sure. insidious sure. ways of doing things. And it's not, you know, well, do you renounce evil? Well, yes, of yeah. course, I renounce evil. Unless you're just some sort of, um, you know, murderous psychopath, you're, you're going to probably renounce evil. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, it often does not come to us quite um, yeah. as bluntly and as easily as, yeah. as answering that question. And, and maybe, I, I don't mean to, to derail us only eight minutes in the conversation, but I, I guess I think, you know... And like like you hinted at the beginning, this kind of a conversational subject can be daunting or scary for for folks, especially because it can feel so foreign. Like, man, I'm just trying to get through my week and get groceries and that kind of thing, and now I've got to worry about the devil. But uh, in some ways, maybe there are, are ways we could look at how we deal with um, biblical personified evil in in mm-hmm. Satan, and say, okay, are there ways in which it's similar to other examples of? Um, people's involvement or complicity in evil in history that uh, are more more readily accessible. And I, I think for a moment about um, the, the storytelling that came out of, say, um, uh, the Second World War and the Nuremberg War trials and how many people after um, uh, not the, the Nazi Reich said things like... Um, they didn't make me do something horrible. They just made me do something little that, like, I didn't realize it was... I mean, there's that mm-hmm. sort of... I was just following orders. Or it was, mm-hmm. well, they convinced me that uh, it was okay. And that so often that's, it, that's, that's the tack that uh, really, truly horrifying evil does. That it sort of convinces us in this sort of subtle way of, like, nah, this is okay. Or it, it mm-hmm. coaxes us so that we become willing participants. Um, and that that's maybe the scariest, uh, honestly, the scariest thing of all, is, is mm-hmm. not a hoofed figure sort of, uh, you know, saying, do what I say or I'm going to jab the pitchfork at you, but the subtle whispering voice that convinces you that what, sh- what uh, is tempting to do is, yeah, go ahead and do it, mm-hmm. um, and how easily in human history we have, we've done that to each other, to God's creation, to people, and to God. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've done all sorts of horrible, rotten things because evil has this insidious way of whispering subtly rather than barking and shouting commands. And again, that says something to me about the, again, I hesitate to use this phrase, but the genius of real evil. I mean, like mm-hmm. that, that um, <laughs> like when I watch my kids provoking each other, like, you know, and they, they overplay their hand. Like when my, my, my son will say to my daughter, you know, like, you know, uh, J- jump off the bed or something like that, and you know, like trying because he's trying to make her, you know, get hurt or something. Or she'll do something, mm-hmm. you know, she'll go to him into doing something stupid, that kind of thing. Uh, th- there's a evil overplays its hand. Then you know, mm-hmm. when evil is very evil, it's overplaying its hand. But most of the time, it's when evil is is being subtle and, and uh, behind the scenes that we get duped and we we sort of fall into it and we convince ourselves. 
uh, that what we're doing is good and right and just or that we're excused or that there's good rational reason or something mm -hmm. like that. And that in all of our conversation about the devil, as much as we might instantly want to picture red jumpsuit and horns and pitchfork, uh, that that's much less likely the way we're going to engage with uh, the presence of, of the evil one in our in our lives or in the world. Mm -hmm. I keep thinking of um, the old cartoons where you have the angel on one shoulder right. and the devil on right, the other. Right. And, you know, you're sitting there, even as a kid, watching these cartoons, and you're like, seriously, don't, you know, you have to go with the angel. You have to follow what the angel is telling you. And that's not always how things, that's often how things, it's not how things work. Um, but, you know, Satan will make things look good. He'll make things look okay. Um you know, it's it's not saying, you know, well, go out and, and steal something or go out and, and kill someone. But it's just, you know, well, you know, if you just take this little, you know, right. just take a couple bucks or something right. from right. from your business or from, you know, um, the person that sits next to you in the cubicle. Like, oh, they left a couple bucks on their, sure. you know, it's just little things that then eventually lead you down as you keep listening to that voice and letting that voice influence you. It leads you down a pretty insidious and, and dark path before you know it. And how, how often, too, the first step uh, is simply a step of apathy. Like, I, I think about that famous quote of, mm. of Martin Niemöller in the, in the midst, again, of the, the Nazi regime during World War II, but that famous line of his, you know, first they came for the trade unions, and I didn't mm -hmm. speak up because I wasn't trade unions, mm -hmm. and then they came for the communists, and then they came for the whoever, and I didn't speak up, and then finally they, they came for me, and there wasn't any to speak up. Um, but that notion that uh, sometimes the most effective first step if you're on the side of evil so if we're going to be playing the role of screw mm -hmm. tape here for a moment is simply to encourage and facilitate apathy, apathy. you know um and, and maybe, maybe there's newton's laws coming back that inertia i mean an object at rest tends to stay at rest mm -hmm. so once we're convinced to be apathetic or to justify our apathy or not to care man it becomes really easy to just not care about anything else uh and it's much more difficult than to sort of get fired up to do what is good or what is right or to mm -hmm. care for other people or, or, or whatever. So that, that, that when we're talking about how evil will show up in our lives, it is unlikely, I imagine, that Eric and I would say, be on the lookout because there will be a red-horned figure you know, tapping mm -hmm. on your door or something like that. Uh, but more likely, it's about how do we attune our senses and our spirit to um, the presence of, of an evil that's at least as smart as we are mm -hmm. and, is, and knows to be subtle or knows to, to work in ways that we won't notice or we won't uh, recognize uh, the, the fingerprints, so to mm -hmm. speak. Yeah, Steve, as we're talking about um, the, the genius, quote-unquote, of, of evil and of Satan, and even somewhat the power that he seems to have over us to be able to make us do these things, um, some of our, our listeners might be questioning, okay, so... Does that make him equal to God in, in, in a level of power, at yeah. least? And, and I, I think, like you mentioned before, that image that a lot of us have from childhood cartoons is the angel and the devil on the shoulders, mm -hmm. as though that means that the power of God is just sort of equal and opposite from the power of evil. Um, and, and the sweep of the whole Christian scriptures is allowed no to that, that however we talk about Satan or, or the powers and the forces of evil that are aligned with Satan... The Bible never makes the mistake of equating and saying that there... I mean, it's, it's not like the Force in Star Wars. There's mm -hmm. a good side, a light side, and a dark side, and an equal and opposite. But there's the sense of God is the true one presence and love from mm -hmm. before all eternal time or whatever. And that uh, Satan's presence shows up in the Bible uh, as the sort of a... Well, no, not an equal and opposite force has always existed. And that's mm -hmm. a really important difference because there were... 
uh, other um, faiths or religions in the ancient world that told similar stories to Christian stories, but that their story was there's a uh, an infinite and uh, omnipotent power for good, and there's an infinite omnipotent power for evil, and they just sort of duke it out. One of the mm-hmm. famous ones in the first few centuries was called Manichaeanism, and um, the people who are fans of the church father, uh, Augustine of Hippo, he, he wrestled, he spent some time with the Manichaeans, and that, that was sort of, it was very much like a Star Wars universe. There's mm-hmm. the good guys and the bad guys, and they're internally duking it out. Um, and the real question when, if, if that's the way you picture the world, C.S. Lewis says in, in Mere Christianity, is if you've got two equal forces then who's really to say which one is good and which one is bad? Just which side you happen to like, mm, which one yeah. you But the Christian story is not that there's two equal opposite forces, a light side and a dark side, to pick which one you think is right, Jedi or Sith, you know, white hats or black hats or whatever, but that uh, there is this one force, person, trinity of love who exists forever, uh, and God who makes a good creation and then allows this creation to do what it will, including rebelling and turning away from God, so that all the forces of evil aren't equal opposite forces mm-hmm. like that from the you know like like the yin and the yang, uh, the, 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 mm-hmm. the, like that kind of thing. But that evil is always uh, a, a I guess a, um, a contingent or a created thing that has that has gone awry or something like that in the Christian, which means that evil isn't. Uh, equal to, or that the, the, the Bible doesn't picture it as Satan is equal to God, uh, but that even Satan uh, is not only a created being, but is um, can be used in God's services or purposes, which is, I mean, like, a, we're, we're approaching mind-blowing, sort of like, eh, what does that mean? Um, but that, I mean, that right from the get-go, that means that uh, the universe is God's, and, and all of history, mm-hmm. and all the all of creation, all the heavens and earth are God's, it's not that God and the devil have equal... Uh, property right complaints or claims on on the universe, but that this is God's universe, uh, and that all other claims uh, are pretenders. I mm-hmm. guess. So you made a good point that Satan is is created being. Mm-hmm. So and obviously, just from that fact alone, means that he's not equal in power to God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you know, if God, whatever God creates, obviously is not equal to God, sure. mm-hmm. and hence why you know, in our conversation from the Trinity with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. None were created. They always have existed. And yeah. so that's why they're all equal. So, Steve, if Satan is a created being, mm-hmm. and, and God is a God of love and, and joy and, and peace and kindness, then why did God create a being that is evil? That right. is the, the, the exact opposite of what God is. Was mm-hmm. Satan always evil? Right. Um, or, you know, where... You know, why would why would God create that if he's a God of love and joy and peace? And this is one of the things that I think is important for us to have the conversation, but to be honest, too, about we're working with relatively little material from the biblical text. I mean, mm-hmm. we, and every, everybody wishes for an origin story like this. Like, I can remember um, as, as a, a, a child of the 80s and 90s when the Star Wars prequels came out uh, and it was like the, the whole promise was you're finally going to find out how Darth Vader turned from good to bad. And mm-hmm. like, wow, that was the question that was hanging. I would love to see that story. That seems like an important, interesting story. How Anakin Skywalker, this good, noble Jedi, turns bad and becomes the wicked, evil Darth Vader mm-hmm. that inspires such fear and violence and all across the Empire. Um, and without entering into a movie review of that trilogy of movies, a lot of people felt like it was dissatisfying. It was sort of a hum. That even 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 watching it play out over three movies, it kind of felt like that didn't really help. Uh, that didn't really explain things well. And we should be clear here too: the Bible doesn't give us a prequel. The Bible doesn't say, "Here's Genesis. Oops, and now we're going to give you a prequel, Episode One." Um, 
And much like the Bible itself just sort of starts with God's existence, you know, mm-hmm. in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and you might want to stop and go, hold on, prove to me the, the existence of God. And the Bible doesn't. It just sort of goes, you know, God was there, and God made it all. Uh, and there's never a point at which the Bible stops to wax philosophical about here's how to prove God exists. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, God exists. And in some ways, the story just sort of goes, well, and then the serpent comes along, and then there's the evil one, and then there's Satan. And uh, without sort of giving an origin story, but just sort of this reality that whoever this figure is, however this figure has appeared, um, this figure isn't equal in power to God. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the Bible treats this figure like a created being. And in some texts, we sort of nodded at this a couple of episodes, maybe more than a few episodes ago, um, when you were talking about the Holy Spirit, is uh, that um, in some texts you get the sense that the, the, that, that the devil, that, that Satan is in God's service in some capacity as almost like a prosecuting attorney sort of mm-hmm. figure. That the, again, we, we, we talked about this before, but the title, the name Satan, we sort of assume is like uh, a first name, uh, is, is a, a proper word, a, a title for a role in Hebrew. It's, it's a noun that means adversary or accuser. It's the word for someone who would be like the prosecuting attorney uh, or the DA in a court case. Um, and that like like you get in the book of Job, the, the Satan appears. And again, with in Hebrew, it's always with a definite article, mm-hmm. the Satan, like it's like it's a title, not like it's... Phil or Fred or something like that, but the Satan, the accuser, shows up and is able to be in God's presence and says, you know, here I am, I've been looking for people who are rotten jerks that I can show, you know, what rotten jerks they are to you, God. Uh, and the, even there, the role seems to be that Satan is under God's authority. So that the, the way the biblical world is, especially the world of the Hebrew scriptures, pictures things, is that, that God is sovereign over all the universe and all time and all space, and that God... God's uh, reign or rule is big enough and transcendent enough that God can even use this presence who is nothing but an, uh, an accuser and a uh, meddler and a mm-hmm. you know, whisperer of do-rotten stuff kind of thing. Um, and, I, again, that's hard for us to wrap our brains around because we, we almost want to have just an easy bad guy. We almost want to have, well, you know, there's the bad guy. He's all bad, and, and yet God's not able to even work through or use uh, even this created being who's, who's this, uh, this evil and this accuser. Um, if if that's a part of the picture, uh-huh. I mean, that, like, and, and that's that's a difficult thing for us for us to even let sit for a little bit. The idea that God um, is able to work through. I mean, we, and we've talked before about the scripture from um, later on at the end of Genesis, where where Joseph talks in his experience with his brothers that things that are meant for evil can uh-huh. also be used for good. That it's it's even true of this this being this this Satan figure. Um, who is always at work trying to ruin God's plans and yet turns out to be in God's service in the end as well. That, that's a difficult thing for us to, to consider or to allow. But again, the, the scriptures, without maybe being comfortable with it, sort of lay it out like, yep, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and you know, there's, there's other scriptures, and, and this is debatable, and so take it for what it is. Do your own research on it. Um, the talk about you know, the fallen morning star. Sure, there's a passage from Isaiah that many take. A, yeah, and and many many see that as you know the Satan that he was um, created good, mm-hmm. created as one of um, God's angels, one of his messengers, and mm-hmm. then decided to rebel. Mm-hmm. Um, but even even then, though, it's still like you know we always think of angels being good creatures sure. and um, worshiping God, and so the idea that one of them can rebel to the point of being kicked out, sure, sure, um, and yet and and like we see in in the Book of Job, being used by God, it can be. 
really a, an interesting thing and something that's really hard to wrestle with. Yeah. Well, and, and for that matter, I mean, once you go down the rabbit hole of saying, okay, so let's imagine that we're taking the reading from a passage in Isaiah about the morning stall, you know, you've fallen uh, and saying that, that the devil is, is a fallen angel. That then kicks it back to, okay, um, how, how do human beings fit into that mm-hmm. story, and are we supposed to take that as chronologically prior to human beings and that, I mean, in, in a sense, the even if that's where Isaiah is going, Isaiah doesn't answer the question that then we immediately want to ask, well, yeah. when did this happen, and who was first, and which does God care about more, is, is it, uh, once once angels started going bad, were humans dead, I mean, it's, it's almost more like Isaiah has different fish to fry, and so mm-hmm. even if even if that's exactly what Isaiah is talking about, and again, like, like you noted, uh, biblical scholars go back and forth about whether that's uh, a reference to a, a supernatural being, or whether it's a reference to a, a historical king of a foreign nation, uh, and there's a case to be made e- e- either way there. But either way, Isaiah himself doesn't stop and say, "This is my treatise on the origin of the mm-hmm. devil." It's like this sort of fleeting passage, and then he moves off to other stuff. Because again, n- there is no single book of the Bible that's all about here's all you ever wanted to know about demonology. And again, we tend, maybe this is us Westerners or mm-hmm. modern people, tend to want to organize our thoughts about God in chapters and subjects like that, where it's all right, give me everything about angels over here, give me everything about tithing over here, give me everything about Sabbath over here. <laughs> And the Bible doesn't work like that. Um, what, and, and again, if, if we don't like it, that maybe tells us that perhaps if we're going to take the Scriptures as authoritative, we should let the Scriptures speak on their own terms instead of saying, well, I don't like it this way, I'm going to rearrange it. <laughs> um, but to allow the Scriptures to speak on their own terms means that they almost don't want us to dwell for too long, too terribly long, mm-hmm. on those kind of questions. Um, almost like, and I, forgive me, this is one of those half-formed thoughts here, but... Um, you know, when I was learning to drive, and then import, uh, again when moving to western Pennsylvania, it was impressed upon me to be alert and, and aware of the presence of deer. Deer will be mm-hmm. running across the road at any point. However, if I spend all of my time looking at the sides of the road, because there might be deer there, mm-hmm. I will not pay attention to the cars that are definitely <laughs> going to be in front of me, and I won't even notice the deer when they do run right in front of me. Um, and so it seems to me like the the caution is, yeah, be aware. There are deer mm-hmm. out there. Don't pretend there are no deer in the world. There are deer in the world. Uh, and they will run across the road and be mine. And there's never just one. There's always a whole clump of them. <laughs> yes. You only see one. That doesn't mean there's only one. It means you're not looking hard enough. But if I take that further and say, well, I'm going to spend all my time looking by the side of the road because that's where the deer come from, I will miss not only the deer that might be right in front of me ready to hit into my front bumper, but also I will miss the cars and people and other things that are there on mm-hmm. the road that are guaranteed to be there. And I guess I think that may be a, a helpful set of guide rails for our conversation about Satan as well. Um, that it is possible to go down infinite rabbit holes of wondering or imagining mm-hmm. where the devil came from, what his favorite color is, um, uh, and w- whether he really is behind rock music or not. I mean, like you can do all that sort of like imagining about, uh, and you can get sucked into it and miss... Number one, the presence of the God who says, I'll go through this with you mm-hmm. so you don't need to be afraid. Um, and also the promise of Jesus, you know, even if even if it looks like uh, the, the world is against you or the powers of evil are against you, I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, that, and that the the defeat of the evil one is already a guaranteed thing in the Christian mm-hmm. faith. This is now, I wonder how this will come out, will the good guys or the bad guys win? Um, but also... Th- 
that we keep our eyes open to the other pieces of the presence of evil around us, too, that there are lots of other things, as well as deer, that are out there that are dangerous on the road to be aware of. And again, mm-hmm. the, the Bible sort of does this great dance of holding together this personified evil in the presence of Satan, and whatever other demonic presences, demons, uh, are a part of uh, that sort of shadowy realm of evil. But there's also the evil that's inside my own heart that is also mm-hmm. part of the problem. And there's also the, the powers and structures that are also part of the universe as well. And, again, if I were a clever devil, I'd say, I'd try and convince people only to look, only to be afraid of one of them, or only to be mm-hmm. mindful of one of them, um, rather than discovering that I'm part of the problem, me, Steve, is part of the problem, I'm a sinner as well, and as well as there's this presence of evil in the world uh, called Satan, and beyond that, there's also the way that structures and powers and systems can become a part of uh, evil as well. It's an all of the above. It's a whole buffet of evil, <laughs> in, instead of just uh, one one spot. And that allows me, hopefully then, to keep my eye for the deer that are there, but also to spend time looking straight ahead of me at the road and the cars, uh, and not only looking by the side of the road where mm-hmm. there might be deer. Yeah, as you were talking about how, um, you know, the scripture doesn't give us a whole it doesn't give it a whole book on demonology it doesn't yeah. give us really a whole lot on on who satan is except for the fact that we need to be aware that yeah. he's out there and yeah. and to be aware of to be looking for him but not focus completely on him um i guess i never thought of it that way but it, it's really um of course god being god it's ingenious of him to to put scripture together that way because our focus should not be on you know, where where am I going to see Satan next? Or where yeah. am I going to see evil next? But rather to make sure that our focus is always on God. Mm-hmm. And so even though we're going to spend, you know, at least a couple podcasts here talking about uh, spiritual warfare and evil and, and Satan, that doesn't mean that we need to focus every, you know, all of our efforts on, okay, where where is he coming from now? Like, right. what am I going to do? Or, or can, can I even leave my house for fear of, you know, Satan right. trying to do something right. to me? right. That's not the point as Christians. Our point is to focus our eyes on Christ and on God who's in front of us, right. but also using our peripheral vision to look out for the deers, for for the demons on the side of the road. Yeah, and, and again, I think it, it may be in the broad, broad sweep of, of Christian thinking and of our life in Christ as well. It's important maybe to pay attention to how much space is spent or how much time is spent on a given subject and mm-hmm. to take our cues that way too. So, um, again, to borrow a tired example, the Bible spends very little time, but some, talking about whether you should or should not plant two kinds of crops in the same field. It shows up once, there's the rule, there it is for Old Testament Israel. Doesn't come back again. Uh, so, on the other hand, love your neighbor as yourself seems to be a recurring important theme. Mm-hmm. Um, or, I mean, we could play this game all day yeah. about what subjects are or not major ideas. But that helps us then to see the, the, the things that the Bible is concerned to make sure are in crystal clear focus. Spend time there. And mm-hmm. the things that the scriptures are okay with leaving either in fleeting glimpses or a glimpse and then something fuzzy in the background to be okay with that. That there are times when the mm-hmm. scriptures won't answer questions that we want to bring. And again, man, would I love it if there was a story that was like, here's the origin story of the devil, and it plays out, because it would be fascinating. I mean, and for that matter, in Christian history, and um, at least in, in Western literature, you got folks like uh, John Milton writing Paradise Lost, who spends this whole time imagining the conversation and the, the psychology of the devil, you know, better to rule in hell than be a servant in heaven, and that's sort of the tack he takes. We should be clear that Paradise Lost is not the infallible, you know, the, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not the... the the normative scripture that we, we consider the Bible. And so as interesting as it might be to read Paradise Lost and go, well, that's one way it might have happened, that um, 
it's it's somebody's guess. It's somebody's work of fiction that's meant mm. to try and psychologize, or how can I understand how evil could have arisen, or how a Satan could have could have arisen. Um, but the Bible itself exercises quite a bit of restraint and doesn't give us the stories mm. that sometimes we wish we had. Um, and to let that. Uh, guide the way we have the conversation. So eventually, and this will have to be in a conversation maybe for next time, um, the the New Testament, when we get to having New Testament conversation about how do we live in the midst of a world where there's this personal real evil, um, is much less interested in the abstract, where did it come from or what's its nature, and more like, how do we live in a world where this is real? Mm-hmm. And then you get into what are the practices uh, that are sometimes called in some circles spiritual warfare, but what are the practices that the followers of Jesus can be a part of so that they can have their senses attuned, I guess. We can drive down the road wisely, keeping our focus on where our focus is supposed to be. Paying attention for the deer by the edge of the road. A good driver knows and can see them when they're there, mm-hmm. but also knows uh, wisely enough to let that be peripheral vision instead of central vision so that Jesus is always at the center of our vision. And again, that gets to, there's that old um, sermon illustration I've heard thrown around by lots and lots of people, that the way um, people people who study counterfeiting uh, and counterfeit bills, the way they learn how to recognize a counterfeit is to spend so much time with the real thing, they know how to spot a fake when they see one because mm-hmm. they spent so much time with the real thing. In a similar way, too, if we're, if we're convinced that the presence of evil is going to do its damnedest, I mean that literally, it's going to do its mm-hmm. damnedest to convince us that it is pleasant and light and goodness, the, the best way to have our senses attuned is to be so focused and centered on the God we meet in yeah. Jesus that we can spot a counterfeit from a mile away. Um, and that means then that our focus is always, how do I keep focused on Christ? How do I keep, mm-hmm. keep focused on the God I meet in Jesus so that I won't fall for any of the idols or uh, fakes or counterfeits that are out there? Um, and that may be our sort of starting point for, as much as there are lots of other interesting questions we could ask about, where did the devil come from or what's his favorite color, um, that instead it might be, how do I know how to keep my eyes open to spot, to know where Jesus is and to know where the deer are by the side of the road? All right, well, we've definitely opened cans of worms. <laughs> We're uh, good at that, Steve. Yeah, well, all right, join us next time as we'll try and at least uh, tackle or uh, deal, do something with all these wriggling worms all over the place. Um, but uh, join us for more conversation on how we deal with spiritual warfare, what it means, and uh, how we live our lives in light of it. Talk to you next time. See you guys.